Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Music Biz Weekly Podcast. I'm one of your two co-hosts, Jay Gilbert. Mike is out this week, but he will be back soon. Today, we have a very interesting guest. We have Jennifer Yeko. Uh, Jennifer is into publicity. Uh, she's got a PR firm, and she's into artist management. Uh, a lot of experience here. A really great conversation with Jennifer. Um, before we get going, let's quickly thank our sponsors, uh, starting off with Bandzoogle, uh, built by musicians for musicians. Bandzoogle is an all-in-one platform that makes it easy to build a beautiful website and EPK for your music. Bandzoogle powers the websites for tens of thousands of musicians around the world, from weekend warriors to Grammy winners. All of the features you need for a professional website are already built in, like hosting and custom domain name, dozens of fully customizable design templates, tools to help you sell your music commission-free, commission-free crowdfunding and fan subscription features, mailing list tools to grow your fan list and send newsletters, social media integrations, and live support from their musician-friendly team seven days a week. Music Biz Weekly podcast listeners can go to bandzoogle.com, try it for free for 30 days. Just use a promo code MUSICBIZWEEKLY, all one word, MUSICBIZWEEKLY, and you'll get 15% off your first year of any subscription. Um, we're also sponsored by Disc Makers. Uh, we know it's a digital world out there, but there's a, it's still an important role for physical media in today's independent musician. Digital royalty payments are so small that selling products like CDs, vinyl, T-shirts at gigs has become an important income generator. So for every CD you sell at a gig, you'd need roughly 3,000 streams to make the same amount of money, and that's a lot of streams. Our friends at Disc Makers, you know, they're the place to go for discs and other physical media, including vinyl, USB drives, and even t-shirts. And they have a special offer for Music Biz Weekly viewers. You can get free shipping on CD orders of 100 or more from disc makers. Just use the promo code FREEBIZ. Um, that's up to $150 value. Just use that promo code FREEBIZ. And also a shout out to our friends uh, over at HypeBot, Bruce Houghton and the team over there. We appreciate it. So this interview with Jennifer is super interesting. We talk about a lot of different things that she covers, and I think there's some good insights you can glean from it. Build a stunning band website in minutes with Bandzoogle. Go to bandzoogle.com to start your free 30-day trial and use the promo code MUSICBIZWEEKLY to get 15% off the first year of any subscription. Today we're joined by Jennifer Yeko. Uh, Jennifer works uh, has her PR firm, True Talent PR. She also has artist management a uh, company called Platinum Star Management. Jennifer, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. So I, I, I have to ask, I mean, that's a lot. There, there's so much with publicity and artist management. You wear some pretty different hats. How do you juggle that? Well, um, it's a good question. I mean, I, uh, I started out as a manager and mm. I did that for many, many years. And then I decided I would spin off a PR company so I could work with other managers and other labels and, and people that had representation. And so I haven't been as active on the management side in a while. I just haven't found that right artist that I think is going to be the next big thing. So, but it is a lot to juggle even in just searching out for new artists and, you know, running a PR firm and, um, you know, last year was very busy. And so everyone was promoting their music. So yeah. um, you just try to go through all your emails and respond to everybody <laughs> as quickly as you can. <laughs> I think that's my best business advice as far as work is concerned. Do you specialize in any 
particular genre or mood or level of artists on the PR side? Oh, I love I love the word mood. Um, sure. I mean, I tend to work a lot with indie singer songwriters, indie bands, um, kind of more on the, I don't know, either the mellow side of the singer songwriter spectrum or you know, I love personally a lot of pop music. I love a lot of Brit pop, but it just depends on the artist really and the band. I think if the music speaks to me and it speaks to you, that's usually what I'm looking for. Songs that resonate, lyrics and a mood that that does move you in some way. So I think yeah. good songs are good songs and that's usually where you start. I was speaking with somebody at a publication once and they said something that I'd love to get your thoughts on. She was saying that, a lot of publicists make her job hard because they come to her with, here's my artist, they've got new music out. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, what's the narrative? What, tell me, like, why should anyone care? And I'd love to get your take on how important the narrative is and how do you get publications to care? It's a good question. I mean, you do want to have a story when you're pitching to blogs and traditional media of any kind. And, and that's, that's the tricky part is coming up with a story, some coming up with that narrative, coming up with something that's unique instead of, Hey, we're a band. We just wrote these songs or I'm an artist and I have some songs, you know, anything you have going on, usually uh, publicity can be done around a tour, you know, when that was a thing. (laughs) So touring, you know, doing shows of any kind or doing, um, you know, online shows can be, one area, I think getting any type of music placement in a film or TV show mm. or trailer, video game, those that's newsworthy. Be really, you know, traditional and new media, they they want to write about something that's happening, something that's newsworthy. So you need to have a story, you need to ideally have something also that's coming out. You've gotten in, you know, a new album, an EP, a single, a new video. There has to be something breaking for them to really get interested. And then you really do want to try to spin the story in some way. Can you get publicity surrounding a track or does does it have to be an EP or an album? And the, and the reason I ask the question is it's become such a track-based economy today Mm -hmm. and people are doing people meaning artists are putting together a campaign surrounding each track along the way and some are even foregoing the ep and album for a while to kind of build and grow their audience via track talk about when you bring just a track to the publicity side is that a challenge for you um, I think so. I mean, a lot of what I do as a publicist is a little untraditional and that I pitch to a lot of <clears throat> music supervisors and film and TV executives. And so that's a little bit different than, than your more traditional forms of press where you're just reaching out to outlets. I think it depends on the publication. It depends on the outlet. Certainly it's a lot more interesting to most uh, outlets to have an album or an EP or a collection of works, or again, something going on, ideally an album's being released and there's a tour going on and there's been some placements or something else happening yeah. in the world. Um, dating a Kardashian. <laughs> I mean, I joke, <laughs> but it's also like something that's newsworthy, right? And right. so people want to read um, it. So I think that, yes, I know we are in that singles market and I think it just depends on what, where you're pitching to. And, you know, I think on the music supervision side, all they really care about is the song and does the song work for this particular trailer or game or ad. Um, So it can be a lot easier to pitch just one song or a group of singles, maybe that way, as opposed to 
press where they usually, if they're doing album reviews, they obviously want an album. Again, if you've got a video, I think I've read a lot of things where it says you should always have a video, even if you shot on your iPhone or something, but you should always have a video with every single, because at least then you can say, and here's the video and here's some content for your site, as opposed to just saying, hey, I've released a song because I think as we all know, we've heard that statistic where there's 60,000 new songs uploaded to Spotify every day. So how is yours different? How is it standing out? What have you done as, an, as a band or an artist that's unique and interesting? Um, and, you know, they just yeah. need something to write about, an angle, if you will. Yeah, I that number is actually growing every week and oh, is now um, over 500,000 a week, which is over 70,000 a day. Oh. Wow. Okay. And it's growing. So don't bother committing that to memory because next time we talk, it'll be 75 or 80 or whatever. And there's, you know, roughly 75 million tracks up on DSPs. That's, wow. that's a lot to break through. But what I find really exciting is when you talk about film, TV, you know, any kind of thing, games, commercials, any of that, we've seen this. I know you've seen this where, it doesn't matter the level of the artist, you get the right song for the right vehicle and you can really grow an audience that way. And I would imagine there's a lot of artists that you're working with that come to you and they say, you know, I, I want to focus on sync. I really want to, you know, what kind of advice do you give them to make a song? And I don't even know if this is really a word. Can you produce songs that are syncable? Uh, I've heard that term thrown around. So okay. All right. Answers, but yes, thinkable. Yes. I mean, I definitely think that there is an element to what works for a song that gets licensed. It's a little hard to articulate, right? You can talk about, um, you know, universal themes and you can talk about something that's usually contemporary, although obviously older songs get licensed all the time, but yeah. depending on the show, I mean, obviously if it's said in the nineties, you're going to have 90 songs, but they may want authentic 90s hits right so yeah. it just depends I think you know I was talking with an artist about this actually yesterday and we talked a lot about production and how important the production of the song is because you can have all the ingredients that cake where you've got flour and the sugar and the cocoa is you've got the you know all the instruments sound good you know the singer is good but you know the mix has to be really good um, and the production is really important. I think sometimes yeah. there's so much emphasis on the songwriting, which is very important as well. But if the song, I find a lot of songs get produced in somehow a dated way, but not in a contemporary dated way, not like an 80s throwback or 90s sound, but like it just sounds not not cool, like not hip. It doesn't sound fresh in any way. And not to say you have to emulate what's on the radio and sound like the weekend, but yeah. I think there's an element to making the song work in some way. And so I think the number one issue I hear with songs is somehow the production or the elements of the song just sound kind of dated. And so you want to make sure that it's um, sounding fresh and sounding fun and, and good in, a, in an interesting way. And, you know, whatever your style is, that's fine. But I think you really want to make sure that the production is top notch because, music supervisors get pitched a lot of songs, you know, journalists get pitched a lot of songs and they have to be, I don't want to say even good or great. They have to be amazing now to really get any traction. The bar is very high. As you said, 70,000 songs, 500,000 songs a week will be outdated by the time people watch this. Yeah. Um, you really have to have incredible music uh, to really get anywhere. Yeah. On the streaming side, you're, you're seeing trends where people are having shorter intros. They're having mm -hmm. shorter songs. They're getting to the chorus more quickly. 
is that trend kind of the same on the sync side, do you think? Um, I think that does make sense for a lot of reasons because people's attention spans are short and you don't have time for this long drawn out intro if you're trying to grab someone on Spotify or SoundCloud. Um, I don't know if that matters as much in the sync world. Sometimes those long instrumental openings or beds in the middle of a track can be actually helpful because so much of what you're looking for when you're placing a song is something that goes underneath dialogue and you want something that lays quietly, but yet is interesting while characters are talking, things are happening, you know, when people are fighting uh, crime or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. I don't know what's happening in the new Batman, but you know, you want something that's going to work well on TV, usually underneath dialogue and maybe in an action film or something, you might need something a little more up-tempo, but generally you just need music that's going to work against picture. And that can be different depending on what type of picture um, is up on screen. Ah, what do you deliver to them? Do you deliver just the track? Um, do you deliver the instrumental initially? Do you put together a, a one sheet with photos, lyrics? I mean, if they're getting a lot of music each week, you know, they're going to have a limited amount of time with each one. Well, what kind of things do you deliver to them? Sure. I mean, I usually just send the song. I think obviously having the instrumental is always great because again, they don't want to cut into the, the vocals. So if they, if the editor can have the instrumental version to edit with, that's really, really helpful. Sometimes just the instrumental can also get licensed depending on the project. So you definitely want to make sure whenever you're recording a song that you have those instrumental um, versions. And then I know a lot of times people ask for the stems. I, you know, I don't, I haven't been yeah. asked for that as much, but I do think it's good to have those available because depending on the project, you may need them and better to have them than to try to scramble around and find your producer and they're off in Tahiti and you can't get the stems and the placement's going to go away without them. So I think it's always just good to have everything, have the lyric sheet. I don't usually need it. Most, most of the time you don't need it, but it's always good to have the lyrics typed up. So you're not rushing around when you're driving, trying to like, wait, what was the lyric to that song and, and trying to send it over at the last minute. So I think having all those things, um, I think having, you know, people usually want to see socials. They maybe want to see numbers or what's going on. Do you have any traction on any of those platforms, whether sure. it's Instagram or Spotify or anything like that? Yeah. I was going to ask you about that. If they even cared about Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, it seems that most places do want to see those even as a point of reference, you know, mm -hmm. is, is it trending in the right direction or, you know, are they growing a base? Of course, we all know there's some artists that don't have a base yet um, right. that still put out great music. So I'm hoping that they listen, you know, with their ears and not just look um, at the data. Um, have you ever been watching television or a movie and all of a sudden some song comes on and you're like, I did that. Yes, that's definitely happened. I mean, I try to watch whenever I have a placement on TV or in a commercial or something like that. Commercials are a little harder to predict because you don't know exactly when they're going to air. But yeah, um, I think it's just, you know, I think it just depends. I do think, you know, I do think in music supervision and when you're trying to get a song licensed um usually it is just about the song does the song work to picture does it just work for the scene or the project you know is the vibe right 
Um, I think with press, it's a little different when you're going after journalists and that they're a little more interested in like, what is the story? Like, do you have a social media following? Like, are you blowing up on TikTok? Like, are you doing TikTok duets or something viral happening? Because that is definitely interesting because every media outlet also would love to find that you're adding to their media views, right? So if you're if you obviously then have a TikTok following and then you say, and I was featured on this blog and then they get more <clears throat> traffic because of it. That's very interesting to, again, pretty much any outlet. So they do like to see, again, the story of social media where, you know, you're getting followers, you're doing well on platforms, you know, your Snapchat following is growing or something like that. So yeah, there's a story to talk about. So I think it's, yeah. and I think it's interesting to music supervisors also. I mean, I think, again, it just shows when other people are interested in your music, it just shows, oh, okay, this isn't just another one of those Spotify artist songs has been uploaded. There's something going on there. So I definitely think that anything you can point to with social media is helpful. I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, with, with your role, you don't probably advertise a ton. It's really more like you're a, a wedding photographer or a real estate agent in that you do a great job. And next thing you know, they tell their friends and you've got, you've got plenty of work. Is it, is it a lot word of mouth um, for your clients that come to you? Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny. A lot of people just find me on the internet. They just, I always ask, where did you find me? And they just, I don't know, you were listed somewhere. They, sometimes people find me on Google. I do have a blog I've written for years. I mean, years and years and years. So um, I do get a lot of traffic from that just because I think there's so many articles on there and people are searching questions about management, questions about music licensing. I, I don't know. So um, I do get referrals, but I do get a lot of people that just somehow find me on Google or yeah. you know, I, I've written articles for like Music Connection and yeah. again, different outlets. So they maybe read something there or they read it in a blog somewhere on someone else's site. So I do just get a lot of kind of random people finding me in different ways. Um so yeah, that's, that's probably the most common way. So it's like, I did a Google search and there you were. Yeah. I'm like, well, that's impressive because I don't that's do SEO good. or anything. <laughs> oh, there you go. How do you pick, you know, it's limited bandwidth. I mean, how do you pick who you choose to work with? Sure. I mean, it's very different as a manager versus a publicist. I'll talk about the PR side. I mean, certainly with PR, I always say, what's your budget? You have to have a budget. It's a business. I don't run a nonprofit. Like you need to have some money <laughs> to put behind your music. And right. because it is so competitive, you do have to just allocate for that. Just the way movies, you know, like if you have, you know, a tentpole Marvel film, you know, they always say, oh, we spent, you know, 75 million, hundred million making the film and then another 75 or hundred yeah. million marketing it. And I think mm -hmm. as an artist, you have to think in the same way. Agreed. Music doesn't market itself. So you really have to figure out a way to, you know, put some resources behind your music. Um, so that's really the number one thing. And then of course the songs have to be marketable. I mean, I listen to a lot of music and like, uh, just I'll tell people, I don't think I could really do anything with this. I think you need to go back and, you know, maybe the next single, maybe the next album, you know, cause I don't want to go to my contacts with something that I don't think they're going to be interested in. Cause that, yeah. that affects my reputation. And then on the management side, it's different. You're looking for, I mean, I've written a list of like 20 different things, but you know, marketable image, like the hardest working artists you can find. Obviously the songs have to be really solid, great songwriting yeah. skills, great work ethic. Um, it becomes a little bit more about qualities that make someone successful. And that's, that's sometimes hard to articulate, but it's, 
you're looking for a lot of different things, you know, and, and on the PR side, it's a little more of, you know, what's your budget and like, do we have, do you have a story? Do you have a social following? What are the, what are the songs like? Do you have videos? Like what, have you gotten any press in the past? Those types of things. So I think it just depends, but you know, the more you work to have something going on, the more helpful it is to your team, your publicist, your manager, if you've got an agent, you know, you need to be doing all those things. I, I love to tell a story. It's so dated, but you know, I, you know, back in the day before Kim Kardashian, there was Paris Hilton and now she has a new Netflix show. So I know she's back in the media spotlight, but I read, and I don't know if this is true, but I love this story that she, you know, just like Kim Kardashian gets a ton of press, right? So in, when she was starting out, she used to call the outlets herself and be like, I'm going to be at this party. she come, you know, she'll call the paparazzi herself. You know, and I don't know if Kim also did that when she was starting out. She probably had a little more opportunities for publicists and resources. But I'm just saying if celebrities are calling the paparazzi themselves, like you as an artist have to be willing to do the work. You can't just rely on, oh, I hired someone. They're going to do it all for me. You have to constantly be reaching out to media outlets. You have to constantly be fine tuning your craft and like promoting yourself on social media. You can hire people to do that stuff, but you have to create the content. So, I mean... I think just think about it in those terms, you know, I think yeah. successful people always look like they just sit around and don't do anything, but you, you know, you hear those stories and like, well, that makes sense. Right. Who cared about yeah. Paris Hilton in the beginning besides Paris Hilton? Nobody. Right. So you have to be your own best advocate with whatever you're doing, especially in entertainment. Yeah. You know, we always say the harder I work, the luckier I get, yes, you know, in the, in the industry. <laughs> and, and also I heard an artist manager say one time, I can't want it more than the artist does, you know? It's true, um, I've said that many times. And you fall into the trap of like, oh, but they're so talented and they're so great and I love them so much. And I've definitely fell into that trap early on. I think I probably still fall into that trap a little bit, but you really have to be aware of, yeah, I mean, never work harder than your artist. And that's very easy to say. It's very difficult to implement, you know? Yeah. You really have to find an artist that's willing to just work so hard and it's very hard to find those people and they have to have it's a combination they have to be willing to work hard but then they also have to have the music they have to have the sound the song you know all the work in the world isn't going to matter if you just don't have the right vocals you don't have the right material and then all the right material and vocals won't help if you're not willing to work so you got to have those two at least going together yeah it's infectious i work with clients that are extremely talented and when you work with those that are willing to roll their sleeves up and get into it and do whatever it takes, because, you know, if, if I asked you for a job description, you might write down eight things, but I guarantee you do 80 in a day. Right. And, and what's exciting about this business is that no two days are the same. A lot of it is problem solving, mm-hmm. but, it, but at the core of a lot of this, and, and I'm, I'm just taking for granted that, yes, it's a good artist and, and it's good music, but it's also a lot of relationships and follow through. And I know that so many aspects of our business are relationship driven. And I think on the PR side, that makes a lot more sense to me than on the sync licensing side, because I've seen some amazing sync licenses come through. But that is such a tough nut to crack. And I'd love to get your insights on just that as an industry. It seems like there are these sync people 
and there's maybe I'll make up a number, you know, 50 of them and everybody kind of knows who they are. Right. And there are these companies, but they kind of have their own stable of labels or artists and they're not really taking new people in unless you've got something really special. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine who is a vice president of A&R for a major label. And he said that people ask him all the time, how do you become the vice president of A&R at a label? He goes, you bring them, you know, Billie Eilish, you bring them Drake, you know what I mean? That's how, you know, so if you get in, how does that ecosystem work with, with sync licensing? Because it seems like it's so nebulous of how do these, all these wonderful artists, indie artists I'm talking about, who don't have the benefit maybe of a label and a distributor and a sync licensing person, how can they compete at an independent level and how can they get their music heard uh, by sync people? Right. I mean, I think that's why I have a business because I am one of those conduits between the artists and sync people. I mean, I can't tell you how many years I spent going to you know, music panels, music conventions, waiting after and talking to people and trying to get their contact information and following up with them and calling people for years and years before they would even like tell me what they were working on. And then, you know, it's, it's a long, it's really a marathon. I mean, it really takes a long time to get people's trust and to um, get to know them and get a sensibility and, and have them trust you in terms of being able to bring them a quality music. So it, it does take an enormous amount of time. I mean, I can't, I literally, I mean, at one point, I feel like there, I spent a decade during the recession, like years ago, where I was just like locked myself in my office. I would just call people and email them all day long, every day for like eight or 10 hours a day, you know? And so it's just, it does take a lot of effort to develop those relationships. Of course, if you know someone and sometimes you just get lucky, reach out to someone, follow their Twitter, you send them an email and they checked it that day and pulled your email out of the hundreds or thousands they got that week, but yeah. it does just take a lot of effort. And again, I've spent my own money just going to conferences and events and, you know, panels and talking to people, networking, you know, going to events. There used to be like a lot of events where you could go and network with music supervisors. And then a lot of them kind of got older, they had kids, they got busy and, you know, didn't go out as much as they used to. So I started at a good time. And of course there's a whole new a group of people that have gotten into that world and have risen up the ranks, you know, starting out as assistants or working for music supervisors and then get into it. But yeah, you're right. It's, it's, there are really like small groups of people that control, you know, the big shows for, you know, Netflix, the trailers, the video games, and you have to get to know those people and, and, you know, and again, have good quality music. So I think yeah. it's, it's, the relationship aspect of it is tough. And then it's, of course, at the end of the day, though, you need music that works for those projects that they're going to want to license or that could potentially be licensable. So you have to have all those moving parts. But yes, that's exactly why I got into it as a manager. And that's why I spun off and started a PR company. So I can be one of those people that connects an artist to supervisors because it takes a tremendous amount of time and resources and energy to develop those connections. And yeah. it's hard if you were starting now to develop them, you can do it, but it just takes a lot. <laughs> How do you so, stay on top of all the music? Do you use a platform like disco? Do you have your own kind of homegrown system to kind of keep track of, okay, here are the different genres, moods, beats per minute, however you organize it. So if someone reaches out to you or you're talking to someone and then they, they need a 17 second interstitial that sounds like the ventures, you're like, I got that. And you can quickly get to it. How do you manage that? Yeah. So I, 
I guess it just depends on, I mean, I have a database. I still keep an old school database. I have like Google sheets and, and a lot of contacts in there. So whenever I'm working for a project, I would, you know, email my list or I would tweet out like a need. And I mean, Twitter's tough because I don't know, you really have to be on there all the time. Email is a little more effective. I feel like unless you're if living on Twitter, you really have to be checking it because I might post something at 10 a.m. and then by 4 p.m. I need that song. And so if you weren't on Twitter at 11 o'clock and to see it, you may not get right. that opportunity even in front of you. So yeah. an email list was always very helpful. And, um, you know, and then sometimes, sometimes again, that is when I do get referrals. Someone will say, oh, I don't have a song for this, but let me send it to my buddy that does, or this girl I know, or a group that I know that has something. So I think those opportunities can come a lot through referrals. Great. That is so interesting. I mean, all of this, I love that you do, you know, the PR side, you do the sync side, and you've, you understand artist management, which, as we know, that's a whole nother can of worms. Um, one of my uh, artist management uh, clients, uh, we were out one time, and this person said to him, you know, I think I think I'm going to get into artist management. And without skipping a beat, he goes, yep, everybody's a bull rider until you open up the gate. <laughs> you know? So my, my hat's off to you. Um, so before I let you go, tell me a little bit about how can people reach out to you and what kind of things are you open to? Is it pretty much more on the music PR side? What, where can people reach you and, and what do you, what should they be looking for? Sure. So, I mean, I, I, you know, I am on Twitter, although I don't really check it that much. So the best way to reach me is through my website, through email. So it's truetalentpr.com. And then my management company is Platinum Star Management. Um, so you can probably Google that or it'll just come up. Um, and so, yeah, that's a good way to, to sort of reach out if you have music that you want to send me. I do want to say one thing. So it's all sure. about like me pitching what I do. There are other ways you can license your music, obviously, besides even developing your own relationships. There are music libraries. There are a lot of sync agents that kind of take a, a, a large roster, a small roster of bands and artists and songs and will pitch them. And that is another way you can get your music licensed, you know. I'm not a huge fan of all those. They can be very successful for artists and they cannot like anything in life. But I think the tricky part of it is what I do, it's like, I'll take an artist and I'll just take a group of songs or a few songs or an album and pitch that. When you're in a music library or you have a sync agent and they've got hundreds of thousands of songs or tens of thousands, or even if they had like 10 other artists, even publicists that will take on, you know, my friend at PR, they would have, this company would have like 20 different acts they were promoting at any given time. It's very hard in a given day, even if you have 10 acts, you can only spend 30 minutes a day pitching them. So I think it's really important to make sure whoever you're working with, they really have the time to dedicate to promoting your music. And, and it's hard to be effective when you don't have someone really advocating for you and really pitching. Yes. The best success I've had is when I've had an artist that I was managing or, you know, doing PR for, but usually managing. And then they would give me an album or give me a group of new songs. And I would pitch those to my contacts because they knew the artists, they were connected to the artists, they liked them, I had branded them for years by pitching them over and over and over again. That's usually the most successful way when you start to throw your songs and it's like, oh, it's a pop rock track or it could work in the background of a car chase or something like that, whatever's going on. You're not gonna get as much money, you're not gonna get as much attention, you know, people aren't gonna be connected to you as an artist or a singer. So I think it's really important that you do as much as you can on your own or find someone that's really gonna advocate for you and not not just throw you into a library or a sync, you know, group yeah. of 
of all these other tracks. I think it's really I think that's key. I absolutely think that's key. And I think you and I talked before we hit record about how important it is to have an evangelist. You know, I would take an evangelist, someone like you that really has a passion for that particular artist or song over a big firm anywhere, anytime, because I've seen it. I've seen some big expensive firms that do okay, but you get someone who just can't wait to get up in the morning to work that project. I'll take that anytime. Jennifer, it was so nice talking with you. Thank you for joining me. Of course. It's so nice to meet you as well. Thanks Thank for having you. me. Appreciate it, All Jay. Right. Discmakers.com. Use code FREEBIZ for ground shipping on CD orders of 100 units or more, $150 value.